Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ed Krasnick, my co-host, Jennifer Kalari, coming along in a minute. We have a great show. This is a big show. This is relationshiping, is what we're going to call it, uh, postage due. Relationshiping, we're going to talk about relationships, marriage, all kinds of things with a very talented actress, writer, comedian, and co-creator of an, a really funny show on YouTube called Bitter Homes and Gardens. Also an actress on BoJack Horseman, many other shows. Fielding Edlow will join us in just a, just a little bit here. I'm, I'm excited about this. And I haven't been excited since my bar mitzvah. And I'm still having bar mitzvah flashbacks, and they're not good. You know, we're going to talk about all kinds of things, and Jennifer will give us some tools for uh, communication and and how to how to how to deal with what's happening in the world and in ourselves and in our minds because that's where it all goes wrong. Everybody, that's where everything gets crazy. Today's show has been brought to you by New WeFresh. WeFresh is an SSRI and a handy spray form. It's made of essential oils and infused with serotonin. It's a spray that freshens your perspective on yourself and your significant other. It is, in fact, about chemistry. It's about brain chemistry. It's not the kind of chemistry that you think of. Now, you can spray each other in a healthy, loving way. Change your perspective. It's time to refresh with WeFresh. Available in Dopamine Delight, Peach Paxil, and Zabaglione Zoloft. We always like to welcome people no matter what emotional state you're in. So here are emotional shout outs. If you've looked at life from no sides now, welcome. If you're doing a TikTok dance video to the serenity prayer, welcome. Uh, If you have a new recipe for resentment kebabs, welcome. If your supplements are too many to fit on a lazy Susan, welcome. If you yell at people in documentary films, welcome. If you've made a model of an unhappy family in a bottle for your glass-blowing class, welcome. And if you're beating yourself up even now, there's always a place for you right here on the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. Now, I want to bring in the ninja of the neocortex, the sultan of serotonin, and the first lady of the limbic system, Jennifer Kalari, a visitor from the North and the South. Jennifer, I'm gonna I'm gonna set you up right away. You yeah. have a story about wanting to be Jewish. Well, I, I didn't know you didn't know that story. That's so funny. And I never yes. heard it. I never heard it. Well, I, I listen. I grew up in a in a Jewish neighborhood, Jewish schools. So I was the only non-Jew anywhere. I just loved the rituals. I loved the magic of it. I loved everything about it. My parents were went to church. They were very not not super Christian, but you know Anglican. I had to be Jewish, so I went to the rabbi when I was sixteen. He looked at me. He was very sweet, actually. I was sixteen years old, and in the Jewish religion, if you want to convert, you have to be turned away three times. So the rabbi was very sweet and told me to go and grow up and learn a little bit and find out about life. And I was too young to make this decision. And I came back again when I was eighteen, and I came back again when I was almost nineteen. And then I went through the whole conversion course with eight other married couples myself and yeah, became Jewish. And my parents were wonderful. I mean, it, it's funny because my, my dad in particular is not very religious. So he was sort of upset that I was going to be religious. <laughs> that was what he was most upset about because wow. um, he's more of a, not an atheist, but certainly agnostic. 
but they were very supportive. They were wonderful. They were great. That's an amazing, I never heard, I mean, I've heard certainly of people converting, but I've never heard of anybody going through solo. The- process solo. solo. That's fantastic. Yeah. That is like, because I did the opposite. I tried to get out of it at 13 and then 18 <laughs> and 19. And I wasn't able to do it because I was in a box. I was a Jew in a box. But that's fascinating. What what was it in you that wanted to do that? You, know, you honest, wanted a I, sense of spirituality? Was that the idea? I, maybe. I, it, honestly, it was a drive. I can't even explain it. It almost seemed like I was remembering it. I can't, there are no words for it. I couldn't, I still can't put it into words. It's just well, something yeah. I had to do. It was all consuming, like in a good way. And I just, I, w- I remember staying up till three, four in the morning, reading everything and loving all the knowledge and the history and the rituals and the celebrations. And it just was all, it was a need. Well, there is a tremendous amount of uh, passion, a tremendous amount of interesting ideas, a code of life, Mm-hmm. That's all in the Kabbalah. None of it do you get exposure to when you're Jewish growing up until you're no, 40. No, not really. 40. In fact, you have to be 40, really. You have to, to be even... 40. Because why? Because why make it easy when you can make it hard? <laughs> um, that's always my philosophy. And uh, why enjoy when you can disenjoy? Uh, my Bar Mitzvah speech was written for me. I was in a yeshiva, which was 8.30 to 5.30, Monday through Friday. And it was half Hebrew and half English and half anguish. That would be the the joke I would use. If we get into it, it's going to be a whole show, and maybe it will be a whole show because we'll talk about it with Fielding. But uh, that's fascinating to me. It gives me a whole new perspective on you, because there are there is there are wonderful things uh, about it and about the culture. There and are, I, th- there are. I think and when like, you come up in it, you don't you take it you kind of like don't really I get a perspective. So. And, and on my it. parents were wonderful. I mean, imagine your sixteen year old coming home <laughs> and saying this, but they were really supportive. They were great. Well, so. I'm sure that your dad, I mean, I didn't know your mom, but I, knowing your dad, I can imagine. Isn't he would, awesome? Yeah, he's, he's the best. best. He just turned 88. We just took him to <gasps> Disneyland for his birthday, and he went on oh. all kinds of rides, including Space Mountain, oh. which I needed to recover from for three days. And he was like, what ride are we going on next? He was awesome. Oh, I love you. Your dad is such a, an interesting person and uh yeah. his love of the arts and film and film and theaters is incredible oh it's, we, yeah. we have to we have to do it maybe we should have your maybe we should I have your old family on. We should ha- <laughs> let's just have the whole family no we should have my dad for sure because just his whole knowledge of the history of the of movie palaces and film and he's really an interesting character we, we'd have a lot of fun with that i think yeah i do well we'll do that we'll do that for sure I want to talk to you a little bit today about relationships. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you, how can couples rehearse their communication with each other and rehearse their their conflicts and the way that they resolve them? How okay. do we rehearse it? I'm sure we'll get into this today with our amazing guest, but really relationships are an inside job. So you basically forget your partner. You have to start in your own head. If your journey is to try and fix the other person, to try and make the other person like you, even if the idea is, can we, can we do this exactly the same way together? It's not going to be as effective. I think the first step is really to go inward and really look at if there's behavior in your partner that you don't like, first honor your feelings and feel them and all the things we talk about on the show all the time. And then ask yourself, what is going on in me that is bringing out that behavior in my partner or making that behavior worse 
in my partner, when I have couples in my office, well, the first thing that happens is they sit in my office when they come in for their first meeting and they both have this look on the fa- on their face where they're quite sure I'm going to straighten out their partner. And they're going to hear from a professional how wrong their partner is being. And that's not how it works, right? The whole idea is take care of your own stuff, work on your own issues, change what you can, be brave enough to put your foot in the water and be the one that starts that, which then encourages your partner to do the same. And that's where the magic happens. That's where change happens. So I would say to you, don't do it together as a couple in your head. So I I actually have a few, they happen to all be women at the moment, but who I'm literally doing marital counseling with just them, not their husbands, just them. And already the changes that have happened in their marriage is outstanding because I'm helping them to see their own patterns. And so what happens often, and I'm sure a lot of us can relate, is we keep fights going in our head, right? You go in the shower, you're having a whole fight with your spouse in the shower, I'm gonna, and you did, and we're, or you're driving in the car and you're having a whole argument with them. And then you get in front of them, they say one little thing, and now you're back in the argument. It's the conversation in our head. It's what we choose to focus on and rant about. And we tend to spend so much time thinking about what we don't want instead of thinking about what we do want. We're so set on looking for the flaws in our partner. Well, I just know this is going to happen. And for sure, he's going to say this when I walk in the door. And and we sort of set the stage. And it's very difficult to change that way. So the first step would be to really imagine it differently in your own head. Imagine conversations going entirely differently. Imagine walking in the house and having a completely different reaction from your spouse. Set your brain, set the reticular activation system in the brain, which is the neural net, to look for the delightful things that your spouse does or the kind things that your spouse does or the non-annoying things that your spouse does. Look for those and find them. Now you start to change. And then maybe together, you can start to visualize together and imagine together how you want your life to look and how you want relationships to be. I completely disagree. No, I, <laughs> I, I couldn't disagree. See, it, here's the thing. I mean, you can you get into patterns, right? You get into a rhythm. You even get into projecting and expecting, which is Absolutely. like to, pro- to project and deserve, which is the mm-hmm. LAPD department. You become a police <laughs> to project and deserve. But the reticular activation system is such an interesting thing. Nobody knows about it. No. Nobody hears about it. You never talk about it. It's the part of your brain that collects and tags all of the thoughts and beliefs and and it, it tags everything and it puts it tags them in, everything everything yeah. is happening to you yeah yeah so if you put a negative tag on things if you're tagging negatively all the time what you don't like what you don't want what you do that's going through your system and that's what's running your that's what's running your life right yeah and that's what you look for that's what you've tagged that's so what that's you what you look see. for yeah right and it's also mm. based on two other things one is on your intrinsic belief system, which are all sort of memories that have been laid down. They're almost like emotional tattoos, big experiences that we had prior to the age of seven, because the brain can't actually develop long-term hardware to store long-term memories until about the age of seven. So most of the things that happened to us prior to the age of seven, it's like a program. So we're all as adults running around using programming for a seven or eight-year-old that we haven't upgraded. And we don't even realize that they're programmed. So a lot of our intrinsic beliefs, and I'm sure we'll get into this when our when our guest comes on, but the fights that couples have, they might be about who took out the garbage or who didn't do this or who didn't do that, or you always do this or you always do that. But really, it's about our intrinsic beliefs. You don't recognize me. You don't see me. You don't think I'm enough. 
Um, I do everything for you. You don't notice. There's, you know, beliefs that we have about ourselves and we look for those. We tag those in our relationships and not just with our, our spouse. We can do it with our siblings, our coworkers. And it's really getting to know those patterns and recognizing them. I call them theme songs. And when we're stressed and we're overwhelmed, they play louder. And so there, there's that piece. And then there's the kind of beliefs that we have, the limiting beliefs we have about our spouse. He always does this. She always does that. And if you're looking for that and you believe it, then that's exactly what you're going to see. Yeah. You meant, you know, the theme song to Breaking Bad plays in my head. Is that a good, that and St. Elsewhere, which is a strange, it's from a long time ago. But I, I'd like it to be from the sound of music. I wish I was. You know, you do get into these patterns and they become familiar and they become they're uncomfortable, of course, yeah. but they and almost but they're so ingrained. They're yeah. so ingrained that they almost become you. You yeah. really do plan it. Well, and you, you don't know they're a pro- you don't know it's a program. Yeah, it's a, it's the case with so many things. So you're saying we talk about imagination a lot. You're saying literally sit down, close your eyes, imagine that the conversation is going differently. Imagine that you're saying different things. Your partner's saying different things. And think about what you want. What would you want to hear? What would you want right. to say? Right. And the first step, though, because you can't go there. That's, it's hard to go from ranting in your head to imagining it going really well. That's a big leap. That's an enormous jump. So before you do that, you literally go inward and just sort of almost have a conversation with yourself, with your hand on your heart, literally saying, okay, this is how it feels to not be appreciated. This is how it feels in these and with this, you know, monkey body that we have, that's this primal body with thousands of years of evolution that just freaks out over everything and wants to keep us safe. This is how it feels to feel threatened or upset or misjudged or not seen, whatever it is. Allow yourself to go there first. Really honor that primitive kind of part of ourselves. And you can even rant a little bit in that state, but, but almost put a timer on. Stop after five minutes. Stop. Don't stay there. Because when you're ranting, all of the biochemistry in your body starts to manage. The cortisol is flowing. Adrenaline is flowing. Your immune system is downgrading because your midbrain thinks it's happening. It can't tell the difference between you having an argument with your spouse in the shower, in, in, in this imaginary argument, or, or him being right in front of you. It's the same thing to the midbrain. So you keep experiencing that fight over and over and over again, and then your brain is never out of fight or flight, which means the next person that walks in the room and asks for a glass of water is going to get it. Allow yourself to have that outlet first, vent it out first, then go inward and honor yourself. Remember, feelings are just information. And if you ignore them, they get louder. And then sit there for a moment and literally imagine, this is an exercise that you, all of us can do. I do this all the time. You will literally imagine a staircase. You close your eyes, you imagine a staircase. You go down 15 steps. You, it's helpful to look at your feet in the imagery. It just kind of helps ground the mind if you have trouble kind of seeing pictures in your mind. Go down the 15 steps. At the bottom of the steps is a doorway. You're going to open the door towards, you're going to walk into your house and it's a scene and it's you and your spouse having a conversation, not getting upset, calmly understanding each other, enjoying each other, easy. Don't make it like, oh, how wonderful. Like there can't be any angst. It's just this easy, lovely, solid scene of what you, which is really what you want. Then what you want to do is you want to get your body to match that feeling. See if you can find resonance. See if you can actually feel how it feels to be in the room like that with your spouse. And then almost imagine that you're merging with that version of you and then open your eyes and decide that you're now in that 
version of your life. Now, this sounds crazy and it sounds woo-woo, but the truth is it's a brain hack. It's a way to trick your midbrain into thinking that things are different. And not only are they different, but you've practiced it already. So it's not different anymore. The brain just likes things that are familiar. It thinks you've done that a bunch of times with your spouse. It will stop sounding the alarm. It will stop putting the fire alarm on and you can actually calm down. You just rehearse it and you just imagine it. You use your imagination. And like I always say, the worst thing that can happen is you're going to feel better. You're going to feel better. But the crazy thing is, and this is my favorite part of this job, is people are blown away. They're like, oh my God, I can't believe what a better week I had with my spouse because you're changing your inner belief. You're changing that intrinsic program that's playing. You're changing what your reticular activation system is noting and tagging. And now you're sending off different micro expressions, different body language, different biochemistry going on in your in internally, and everything changes. So it's it's some it's very hard for people to accept that it's an inside job. And I'm not and and here I will say this, and then we'll bring our guest in because I'm dying to to talk to her. But if you're in an abusive relationship, a dangerous relationship, you can't imagine your way out of that one. Get get out, get help. We can even put in the in the show notes where to go. This is for the normal, ugly, like, you know, kind of crummy stuff you get into with your spouse. And that's a really important distinction. But a lot of us don't want to believe that we have a role to play in it. We, we're much more comfortable believing it's all the other person's fault. And if they just fixed it, we'd be fine. Yes. Often, oh, as I have conversations in the house, there's an announcer's voice that comes on and says, playing the part of Ed Krasnick today is a version of himself that doesn't understand uh, people or the way that they talk or, or needs. Um, and also, I would say the other thing, and we're going to bring on our guests right now, uh, the, other, the other thing is, by all means, convert to Judaism. <laughs> That's the other man. I love that. But Jennifer, everything that you've said, it's so great. It's so refreshing. You hear these things, but to actually have a practice, to have something you can rehearse, I think like is a really yeah, good thing. Concrete yeah. stuff. And we'll talk about more as we bring yeah. our guest. Well, here we go. This is great. I am a big fan. She's a terrific comedian, very funny, very unique, fine writer. And she does a really funny show uh, that's all about her marriage with her husband, Larry Clark. And it's called Bitter Homes and Gardens. It's the greatest title. It's on YouTube. Do not miss it. And that's Fielding Edlow. And Fielding, if you're still there and still alive. I'm here. Um, you're still, still there, still alive. Okay, first of all, Bitter Homes and Gardens, hysterical. It feels really real <laughs> and stuff that no one wants to, that, that people are, don't want to share. Right? <laughs> they, they would never want to share. And, and you do it really in a, in a really funny way. Where does that come from? Like, how does, I mean, I know it comes from your life, but how did you say to yourself, I'm going to, let's just do this. <laughs> That's a great question. Well, first of all, mazel tov to Jennifer. I'm going to send you a Bitter Homes talus right away. <laughs> Thank, you. Um, Thank you. ASAP, I'll get that Bitter Homes intern on it. But, um, you know. A talus, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. I, I mean, mm -hmm. I think it was too, I mean, in terms of just like why the genesis of just, I mean, we, a lot of times we went out, we'd go out to dinner and everyone would just be like, oh, I wish we had a camera. And not saying we're like, oh, the most hilarious Nichols and May, but it just kept coming up. Like, like, like as if we were 
you know, Daryl Hannah and the fish tank and splash. Like, what are you like? How, like, how do you just, people would just be baffled that we kind of like seem to love each other, but you know, it was also, it was the pilot or I shouldn't even say pilot. I use that very generously. Like the first episode or one act temple Israel had asked me to commissioned. And again, I use that loosely to write a one act on forgiveness for Sleeko and so that's where Bitter Homes came from, was that one act. Oh, we oh. couldn't agree on Bitter Homes. I mean, Bitter Homes, what am I talking Sorry, Game of Thrones, in our, and that was the first episode of season one. Oh, my God. So for <laughs> Sleek Hope, for this prayer of forgiveness, this is what comes out of it. But I think what's really interesting about it is that it's refreshing to see people actually say what they're, what's going on inside them, mm-hmm. what they're thinking. And I think that like what Jennifer's saying is, is you can use your imagination to, to go a different way. But it's also refreshing to just admit that you're having crazy thoughts. Yes. It's, it's yeah. cathartic. I mean, there's certainly, we're always interested in like, well, what, what's the place where you go and you can't come back from? Because we, yeah, we've definitely said the worst things you can say to another human being and not saying we're proud of that. <laughs> I mean, he just, he's doing some weird fast right now. And he, <laughs> like three days ago was like, what do you think? I'm looking good, right? Like it's, re- I'm really looking good. And I was like, honestly, like you should be looking better. Like you don't eat from like four <laughs> to four. Like I wouldn't be like wagging your tail and bragging. Like if I did that, oh. I'd be looking Giselle or like Yiddish oh, Gia, like calm man. down. Oh my God. That's fantastic. Because you're able to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. It doesn't go over the line. It doesn't go over the line that much, I would imagine. And it's just, it allows you to, I mean, you have to trust somebody to say those yes. things. Do you mean in, do, so it, have, you mean yeah. in real life? We don't. Yeah. Go um, well, there has to be resilience in a relationship to be able mm. to talk to each other like that. So I think that's really important. Oh. I, I think also what's what's great about this is so many couples, and this is not so funny, really struggle and have a terrible time with each other. And then they're ashamed of it. They don't tell anyone. Mm. They don't tell their closest friends because they wouldn't want anyone to know. And not that your, your relationship is like that, but a lot <laughs> of people feel this incredible pressure to pretend that everything's perfect. And that's not normal. When When I have a couple that comes into my office, if they tell me they don't fight, I worry. Yeah. That's the couple I worry about. Me too. I think those are, that's a scary situation. That's a scary situation. If couples are fighting and they're kind of bickering and they're at least talking about stuff and passionate about what they want and having conversations, they're in much better shape. Yeah. Yeah. How did you become aware of how you relate to each other and openly talk with each? I mean, has it always been that way? You know, I, we come from very different backgrounds. So I was the like silence, scorn, scamper away, like Jewish household where nobody fought openly really or didn't. Really. And he was, they were always fighting in the Irish household, like crazy. But I, I never had a relationship before Larry. Really, So he bore the brunt of me being like, oh, like I'm going to let it all hang out and I am a woman and I will not be silenced. <laughs> And so he got all of that. And then he was just trying to keep up. And I think we're both have comedic undertone. I mean, I don't know. I feel like both of us always are like, God, that I'm we're fighting. But like, I'm saying some really charming, electrifying things. (laughs) (laughs) So we were both just such performers. But yeah, I mean, I think we like I think Jennifer just said like, yeah, we trust each other. And we met doing a play. I mean, that's when we started dating. So and and and. And even in the beginning, when we were first conversations, like Larry took me backstage and he was like, I don't know what you're doing, but it's bad. 
and you need to like you're you're Miss Julie and like literally it's like a valley girl in Toluca Lake like you, what are you doing like stop it and yeah. it was just always there I mean I think so. he he Larry always talks about how like our our this sounds so ugh I'm embarrassed but he's like like our bodies get each other and know each other like we have like these different this kinetic this alchemy I don't know I don't know we just have this bond that, that makes sense that's the thing when you're that in tune absolutely you're in resonance mm. Mm. it's very it's yeah. very interesting and when you can be comedic i think that's what's so what's so great is that you laugh at it you laugh you laugh at yourself and it's easy to laugh at and it's 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 really a great release because yeah. we all do this stuff and nobody talks about it and that includes you know most couples they don't talk about these things and they don't Mm-hmm. kid each other like that and they stop talking usually mm-hmm. i mean that that it, not usually but it happens a lot i think what's refreshing too is that you talk about sexuality yeah and no one you know and people don't like it's become this like everybody's very repressed and yes. they're carrying around all this shit you know yeah and so anyway i'm obviously i'm angry about it jennifer take <laughs> over no no i'm just gonna say that what i see often with couples that I work with, because marital work is, you know, I do parenting, but you can't talk about parenting without marital stuff coming into it. And a lot of couples are really lonely, Mm. like really lonely. And you guys don't sound lonely, (laughs) like you're friends and you tell the truth to each other and you say it like it is. And there's something very freeing and refreshing about that. But there does, there has to be an an extreme level of trust there. Can can you talk a little bit about, can you share some of the storylines of the show with us because they're it it, it lets you know what kind of a show it is yeah Yeah. one of the storylines is larry is convinced he got covid from like a sad actor's dinner in the alley where someone like spit on him across the table so he's freaking out that he has covid so he makes me we he wants to drop a will so we have david (laughs) keckner come who's our like a state attorney and i slip in that i want a retroactive prenup in case we get divorced because we never had a prenup, <laughs> which is actually true. And I don't want his residuals from Reba. And that was really stupid on my part. I'm not a Rockefeller, <laughs> but that was stupid. Um, and then another, another storyline. And also I have this like sad fledgling, like podcast. We're basically like if the Macbeths um, weren't interested in murder, but was pursuing like vain, stupid, fatuous podcasts. <laughs> like that's basically our show. So I have this mm. podcast, but Larry does a BLM march mainly to get his steps in and look at busty women. But he gets, quote unquote, discovered by like a producer named Sandy, played by Eric Edelstein, who they they acted together in Twin Peaks. And so he, quote unquote, discovers Larry and decides he wants to produce his semi-autobiographical one-man show, which he's going to mount in the final episode in front of neighbors in our backyard. And he has an absolute (laughs) mental breakdown in the middle. Yeah, I love it. I love it. It has oh, it has a little bit of a uh, little bit of curb your enthusiasm, a yeah. little bit of Larry Sanders, maybe a touch of Larry Sanders, and and then it's a relationship show. It's it's really fun. Oh, I sorry. I, one I, more other thing, because this is very important yeah, to me. Yeah. I have a burning crush slash em- slash emotional affair with the fruit delivery guy, so I'm constantly ordering fruit <laughs> so I can have runs. And he's played by Chris Fairbanks, who's fantastic. So that's very talented. You know, you kind of you have these little things to you know keep your relationship go- like larry would be like oh you're gonna call your boyfriend 
Yeah, that's yeah. it's really funny. And you said that on stage. So you not that particular thing, but mm-hmm. how how there's there's crushes and there's things that happen. And yeah. I, I just think I just think everything is okay. Like mm. there's nothing be nothing is sacred in terms of like you're you're talking to each other. It, if you don't talk to each other, you think this stuff. And the problem with thinking it and not saying anything is that you really you're living a different life. You're living a separate life. Exactly. I think the out. loneliness and what you and Jennifer were touching on too, about just not, or like the shame is the killer. That's the toxic mm-hmm. killer. I think yeah. when you feel shut down, you can't. So I, you know, and I think I had to address that. I think when we really just kind of stopped connecting sexually after we had our kid. And then like, I finally was honest with my friends and I finally was honest with like myself. And I was like, Oh, and I have a part in this. Like, I have a part. And so, and then it was, we dealt with it. Oh, we've had six couples therapists, sorry, 6.5. One of them was a tennis coach. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's because it's about love. It's about 40 love, 30 love. Um, That is really interesting. Now, how are you guys in therapy? Like Mm -hmm. what kind of a couple are you in therapy? I mean, I always think they favor Larry because they're like, some. I feel like half of them used to be actors and they're like, oh, we could maybe be scene partners or whatever. But like, they, <laughs> I, I, we have, so in our darkest time, I mean, I think we're a lot. I mean, I always feel like the therapist has to like lie down after us. Like we're a lot, <laughs> but we, and my mother's a therapist. I've had, you know, I was in therapy from 22 to 34. Like I, I understand the whole thing, but it it doesn't feel good when you're talking about that too, the cortisol, when we're yelling at each other and we're just, it just feels so like we're set six years old and Larry wants his mom yeah. to pay attention to him. And I want my dad to tell me I'm a good actress. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Right. Wow. It's the same. It's the same fight every time. Yeah. So that's the thing that you tell yourself or that's the thing. Mm. It would be great to just say it out loud. It was a, please tell me I'm a good actor. Right. I have to do actually a lot of work if I want to, like, let's say a dialogue to go well that I think is triggering. I literally have to tell my husband, like, he's good looking, touch him on the arm or tell him his last role. He was a quiet sensation. Like, I have to compliment him or, like, touch him. And then I can get whatever I want and we can discuss whatever I want. Like, I have to hit one of his love languages because Larry's much more fragile than I am. (laughs) But you know what's so important about that? That, That's huge what you're doing there. (laughs) I'm serious. Like what you're doing is you're biochemically setting the stage, Mm. right? So oxytocin starts flowing. The frontal lobe, which is the part of the brain that should be on most of the time, but the minute you start arguing with your spouse or Mm. your partner, it shuts off. And you're now not only running on programs that you're seven years old, Mm. but the frontal lobe is gone. It's offline. So you're now reacting to each other instead of responding to each other. And you're in fight or flight. And that part of your brain can't tell the difference between your husband who's ticking you off and a saber-toothed tiger that's in front of you. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Your heart's pounding, adrenaline's flowing. You're now completely reacting to each other on a very visceral level. What you're doing in that moment where you just connect with him through touch, through you know, recognizing you know, his strengths, is oxytocin starts to flow. And oxytocin, not oxycontin, <laughs> oxytocin. <laughs> Well, that would be good uh, if it would flow. (laughs) Oxytocin is a a hormone slash neurotransmitter that actually blocks cortisol, uh, speeds up neuroplasticity, strengthens the immune system, Mm. and it mitigates, it helps the frontal lobe stay on. So now his frontal lobe is on, so you're now talking to him instead of the seven-year-old version Mm. of him. And because he's calm in front of you, your seven-year-old doesn't come out 
as quickly. And now you have that conversation. And the love language thing is actually really important. And there are some major differences between men and women. And this is not always true and it's a continuum. So, but, but so if we're, you know, kind of very basic about it, we, we tend to, to partner up with people who compliment us or who are good at things that we're not good at. I mean, you wouldn't want to marry yourself that in general, that would not work out right. very well. Right. <laughs> so yeah. we, so when you communicate well and you're in a good place with each other, now you have a complementary relationship. That person has strengths where you have weaknesses and together you're awesome. Mm-hmm. If you're not communicating and you're in a really bad space with each other and you're reacting to each other all the time and you're angry all the time, now you're just contrasting. Mm-hmm. Right now you're just conflicting and that's just awful. And it's just a, a horrible place to be. And if you have kids, your kids are watching. We yeah. think they don't see as much as they do, but they do. They see it all. So, and there's a few things like just knowing what, how, what is your partner's love language? Mm-hmm. Right? Well, how, how do you, and, and for some of us, for some women, it's like taking the laundry basket upstairs. I mean, that's hot. <laughs> that's amazing. So hot. Right. Mm-hmm. Hottest thing it ever. Is. Initiated dinner, for Christ's sakes. (laughs) Right. Those things are huge. Non-sexual touch, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. men are, are, you know, very visceral and they'll like grab women, their their wives, and and, and it's really just poke me in the eye. It's the same thing. It's so annoying when you're doing something and your husband comes up behind you and grabs your boob. Like, sorry, that's annoying. So learn how, learn how just, you know, brushing the hair from your wife's face or Mm. Put your hand on her shoulder and just gaze in her eyes. Tell her she's beautiful. Yeah. That'll mm. work. Right. So, mm. so fine and have conversations. Talk to each other about what you need and what you like and what you don't like. It's so um, and it's that's, sad that I want my husband to grab my boob because he's. Well, then tell him that. That's great. <laughs> like, that's that's yeah, what you want. Dad. Absolutely. I'm like Mrs. Roper on Three's Company. <laughs> Tell him that. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. Mrs. Roper. We all should be like Mrs. Right. Roper. Yeah, in I some have ways. To, Yeah, it's yeah, it's. I, but it's so true about those long running those tapes. Like I feel like he says the exact same things in fights, and I say the. And it's like it just gets, that part just gets it. I can't even yeah. hear it anymore. I think you just we get to a point to just time a cruise, and you're like, let's just not waste the time. Like, yeah, let's just skip to the yeah, end where like, we make up. But yeah, yeah. The truth is, but when you start to recognize that it's your theme song playing, you'll it will change. Yeah. It will mm. really change. It's true. You don't. I don't need the Nine Inch Nails head like a hole anymore. Like even the little Sarah, Sarah McLaughlin <laughs> or some Irish flute. Like maybe the Three's Company thing. Okay, maybe, I, it's, let's, maybe it's the Ropers. I like the callback. Ed. it's a really solid callback. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but let me just say this: what What about you know, when people have become lonely mm. in their relationships, mm-hmm. how do you reconnect with yourself so that you can go forward with your spouse? Well, you know what's so important about that? Because I have a lot of couples in my office and they, they're often so convinced it's the other person. And if that if they just fix themselves, it will be fine. And they go off and get married. They, they divorce. They go off. They get married again. And guess what? The same fights are happening. The same theme song is playing. Mm. That's why I say it's an inside job. You, if you think another person is going to solve it, if you think the other person fixing something, unless you're in a really abusive, awful relationship, you're going to have the same problem because those traits are going to come out in the next person you choose. So it will follow you. It's incredibly important that we go inward, that we look inward, that we're honest with ourselves and we ask questions like, why do I do this? What purpose is this serving for me, mm-hmm. you know, put yourself in your spouse's shoes. One one exercise right. that is so interesting to do, it's not easy to do, and you have to do it yourself, 
is you literally, and I, I recommend using a different piece of furniture. So you literally sit in a chair and then you get to rant alone by yourself. And you're ranting about whatever your husband did or your wife did. And give yourself five or 10 minutes to do then. Get up, walk to another piece of furniture. And then from that piece of furniture, speak from your spouse's point of view. Mm. You always do this to me and you never know, whatever. You've heard your husband or your wife say it a thousand times. So get into that role and really speak from their position out loud. This can't be done in your head. You have to do this out loud. Then walk over to another part of the room and safely stand on a chair or on a piece of furniture or something safely and look down. And from that position, speak to those two versions of yourself. Let your higher self really see the bigger picture, the bird's eye view of it. You'll feel like a crazy person, okay? But I'm telling you, it's brilliant. It's, it's brilliant. It's Actually, brilliant. physicalize it. Yeah. Actually, yeah, physicalize because- it. I did. I did that with a parenting class where you stand up on the chair yeah. and then yeah. you're talking down to the kid, and, you and this how is how the kid feels. Yeah, this, but the moving yeah. around wow. to different pieces of furniture makes it more tangible and more real for the brain. These are all brain hacks, really. That's an NLP mm-hmm. technique, and it, yeah. it you will widen your perspective. The lens will pan back. But you have to be ready to let go of your story, right? We Mm. hang on to our stories and we tell our stories and we go out for lunch with our girlfriends and we tell our story about our husband. And we we are so attached to the story. You have to be able to let the story go. Yeah. You think think your story is what's helping you to cope. And really, it's what's keeping you. And I think it's almost a laziness. I'll just speak for myself. It's just this rigid narrative. It's like, oh, my, yeah. he does this, and my parents did that, and this, and it's like I, I'm just all about, you know, just being in like nine thousand twelve step programs. But it's like so much about contrary yeah. action and just well, and that exercise really, you just talked about. Is, exactly, is brilliant. Well, it's like shakes up the it molecules. Take, it mm-hmm. takes you out of being the victim. Yes, when you're the victim. Yes. my husband always. He never. When you're in that place, it is powerless and lonely and awful as a victim. And you're constantly looking up, can you see this? Do you see this? Mm -hmm. Can you believe this? But nobody's going to save you. No one's going to float down from the sky and fix it for you. You have to fix it for you. So it it, takes you from a victim to a learner, and now you're having a different experience. Right, and just be be curious. Like my husband is not... I mean, I, I'm mostly right. Like he's not, that's, that's fine. But I <laughs> that's can, a fact, but I can have a little more empathy or just also, especially what you're talking about in the beginning of like, okay, you know, he's a great dad. He, I like the way he sets up the microphone for me and podcasts. I like the way he plays tennis and just keeping it positive and simple and like not right. attached to the story. Right. And, 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 and speaking the way you want to be spoken to mm. speaking to yourself that way. Yeah. That's the key thing, right? If you want to be treated a certain way, do the same thing back. And here's a crazy mind-bending thing that people don't love. You can both be right. And you probably are. Mm, I guess that's true. You're each seeing it. You're each seeing it from a valid perspective. And if you just turn the diamond a little bit, you'll see another facet. And from that place, from that perspective, there is truth. Yeah. Two rights don't make a wrong. I've always said that. In the, it's my bumper sticker. Never sold, <laughs> but it never did well. Would you rather be always... right or happy? <laughs> that's a good one, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where we have to detach from our story, mm. because and there's an addictive quality to that. I mean, we were touching on that a second ago. That people get addicted to this. They get addicted yes. to wanting to be right. They get addicted to fighting. To be able to kind of look at that and recognize, oh yeah, 
that is a bit of an addiction. How is that serving me? It's not. If your parents, you're teaching your children what relationships look like. And you can have a relationship where you tell the truth with, you, with each other and you argue and you fight. But if there's a healthiness and, a, and if there's resolution, then your kids say, oh, yeah, my parents can get all mad and then they're great. And yeah. they can actually get to a place where something has changed and they both grow. Totally. That's okay. That was like the best piece of advice. One of our couples therapists, I forget which one, but was like, mm-hmm. just after you fight, just touch him on the shoulder and say, I love you just in front of your child or say we made up and mean it. I mean, not like bullshit because yeah. children do pick up everything, but that was right. And sometimes I've done that and I literally scared Larry when I did that. <laughs> he was so shocked it. because I'd never done that before. We, we were like in the heat of it. I mean, it was probably one of our worst fights. And I just went over and touched him and was like, I love you. I think I said, I love you. And he literally jumped back like a jackrabbit. It was like, oh my God. What? It softened him. That takes such bravery though and such Mm -hmm. self-control and such a place to summon that energy to be that, to be that lined up with love in a moment of anger is really, that's a strong thing. I think that's why the kid comes in. I mean, like I did it for Ellis, but I, I was doing it for myself. But yeah, by the way, I wanted to say there was this great article from David Sedaris, the New Yorker. He said, I'm going to paraphrase, but he said something like, if you're like super, super irritated with your partner, like you probably have to get some more things going in your own life. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably true. Well, and, and what I see a lot in my office with couples, I call it the potato chip phase. And this is a phase where you've stopped doing the work. You're just mad all the time. You're addicted to your story. You won't let go of your story. You're ranting in your head all the time. Mm. And you get to the point where your husband is beside you and he takes like a bite of his chips and you just want to rip the bag out of his hand. Like (laughs) everything they do is annoying. And when you're in that stage, there's, you really have to turn inward and do some serious work. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and the fact that you're, if you have children, because even if you're in a relationship where you don't fight at all and you just you hide that from your kids, that's also not healthy right? at all. Because right. they're going right. to think that, you know. So it is actually really important to have healthy aggression and healthy fights and healthy mm-hmm. resolution. Well, they um, feel and, it. They feel it. That's the yeah. worst thing is they feel, they, they carry it. They carry they it. Do, and they don't want to take sides. I've had so many kids in my office just, I had one today actually this morning just sobbing because their parents had Aww. a huge fight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you get that mad and you're in that, your frontal lobe is off, you don't care how you sound anymore in front of anybody. Right. And it's just heartbreaking for them because they don't want to take sides. And they're so afraid when you get that angry. It's it's terrifying for them, especially when they're little. Of and then course. when they get older, they just, just, they get bitter and they just tune it out. Mm-hmm. 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 But well. it's, a, it's a climate. It's an emotional climate in the house. And you are, yes. half, you know, you're a huge contributor to that. And you control the thermostat. And you then, do. You, yeah. you do. And you, it, you have to be brave and you have to be able to challenge your story. Let go of the story. You're, guess what? You're the storyteller, not your story. Mm. Right. Love that. Right. And, and this is all in the Kabbalah, but you cannot yeah. read it until you're 40. <laughs> right. So you're going to have a lot of issues yes. until 40. You're going to make up for it. Now, Fielding, yesterday was Mental Health Awareness Day. Were you aware of that? And did you send your mother a card? <laughs> I sent my mom a basket from Zabar's because that's <laughs> no. <laughs> the mental health awareness basket. Yeah, exactly. With all mm-hmm. Bialis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like every day is mental health awareness <laughs> for me. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I was, well, it, it has to be. Right. Yeah. I mean, just when I wake up in the morning, 
talking about reprogramming or just acting as if and acting your way into right thinking and just all the work I have to do just to be neutral and then I'm great. But I wasn't aware to be honest. Um, I don't know. I feel like my Instagram has been flooded with like kittens and just people's chicken arabiatas. I don't know. I think I'm <laughs> studying like following the wrong people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's a chicken arabiata movement, and it's for people who have a lot of fear, but a lot of spiciness. It is every day. We have to make special days so that we, you know, I'm glad that it's that and not, you know, not having that. Absolutely. I would have definitely, you know, I don't know. Or something. Yeah. Yeah, But I miss it every time. It's like, did you know that it was Mental Health Awareness Month? And I was like, no, apparently I've been uh, stuffing my emotions all night. <laughs> apparently that's, I'm in a beach movie called How to Stuff a Wild Emotion. Yeah. That's what I'm my doing. In my head's 10 bowls of crackling oat bran in my, my husband's Twitter. <laughs> so that's where I like to go to stuff my feelings. He's like, oh, are you with my phone again? I'm like, he like changed his password, but I know it. I know where he puts his password. Oh, God. Oh, my God. It's fantastic. That I'm not has proud, to be- but I don't have shame. Because you know what? I'm the hero of my journey. <laughs> You are. You're Joseph, you're Joseph Cambella. You're, <laughs> you're Josephine it. Cambella. I'll take it. I'm the Aaron um, Brockovich of his retweets. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> We're all on the journey together. Well, you know, you're listening to the Mental Health Comedy Podcast with uh, Ed Krasick, Jennifer Kalari, and our special guest, Fielding Edlow. You got to see Bitter Homes and Gardens. You got to see it. You got to believe it. You got to get into it. <laughs> We have a lot more to talk about, and you're going to come back. Love um, to. If this that, was wonderful and scintillating and just a blast. Yeah. I okay. want you to come back. Where do they go to subscribe and do all of that um, stuff just, for, for everything that you're doing? Just go to YouTube. and I guess it's at Bitter Homes, Bitter Homes and Gardens on YouTube, and you'll we have released the first two episodes, and uh, new episodes every Wednesday at 10 a.m., and there's a lot of like Ugh, like ancillary bullshit, like Larry's an actor prepares or my snack vlog. If, and you can catch up on season <laughs> one, too. And then on so across social, we're at Bitter Homes. I at love Bitter it. Homes. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Thank you and so much. I love your perspective. <laughs> I love this is so fun. And I promise we'll never go to you, Jennifer. I don't want to darken the halls of your <laughs> sanctuaries. <laughs> but can we, can, we, can we make Jennifer a practicing Jew? Is that, that's my question. And how will we do it? It'll be like witchcraft. I mean, I feel um, like there has to be some kind of mental health comedy Seder. Yes. There is a mental health comedy. <laughs> there will be. And we will all be sitting around with our Being bitter herbs, with our bitter, <laughs> bitter, bitter herbs. herbs and gardens. Bitter, bitter. Yeah. With our like, bi- you know what? I didn't know what Herosa it was until today, but let me tell you something. My Herosa killed and like put it on Facebook. <laughs> My Herosit killed. Well, he'll, he'll bring the Herosit. He's good for that. But yeah, we must I, all convene, reconvene. I actually love this, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna instead of hiding the the Afikoma, I'm gonna hide my shame, <laughs> and, and I'll be, and, and I'll pay somebody. Uh, oh, wait a minute, that's therapy. So the Mental Health Comedy Podcast Seder, yes, coming up, and we're gonna have Bitter Homes and Gardens and Mental, Mental Health Comedy Podcast. It'll be like. It'll be like Green Acres and Petticoat Junction. Mm. We're going to visit each visit each show. Jennifer's coming over as a guest therapist. Love it. And uh, and Dave Keckner is coming. Uh, yeah. Dave is great. Just throw everyone um, in. Yeah, love it. Amazing. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Thanks so much, Fielding, and thank you, Jennifer, as always. Thank you. Thank okay. you. Okay. We'll go to connectedparenting.com and find out all about Jennifer's work, classes, books, media 
all kinds of services, all kinds of resilient skills, great hacks for life and great education about how your brain works. It's good to know a little bit about how your brain works. And it's good for me to know a little bit, even though I forget it. Sometimes I remember it and it actually changes everything in the moment. It really does, especially with anxiety and things like that. So Mm. you can find this wherever you get your podcasts and you can go to makelightmedia.com. I want to thank you for listening and take good care and, you know, think about how you talk to yourself this week. Keep coming back at Works If You Work It. I'm Ed Krasnick and we'll see you next time.